us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, first and foremost, I want to thank you for this glorious day, Father. Thank you for just being in this opportunity of being in your presence and having the Holy Spirit speak to us and come upon us this day, Father God. Father God, I pray that ultimately we We just be grateful for this this day and grateful for the opportunity to hear your word through Rob and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, 
for that hope. That hope that is in Christ Jesus and in Him alone. <clears throat> Father, your word says that that hope will never disappoint us. No matter what our circumstances may be, God, that our hope, if we have that hope in Christ, that we have been engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Father, that you've given us the victory in Christ. And that, Father, you're working all things out for the good. You are called according to your purpose and who love you. May we be among them, Father, those that are set apart to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning to everyone. We're going to head to, and I'll give you some time to find it, 1 Thessalonians. It's after the book of Colossians. So if you want to turn there, and as you're turning there, it's kind of going to give us a good foundation for today. We've talked already before as we're going through this series of His Lordship. And what does it mean to truly call Jesus Lord? It's a lot of people sitting in churches today, or maybe they're not even in church. But they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will say that I'm a Christian, and yet, they don't live like one. And Jesus himself said, when we first opened up this series, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see, we serve a risen God. We have put, if you are a Christian, your hope and belief in the one who came to defeat sin and death. He bore your, your punishment on the cross. He came to reconcile man back to God. It was in his resurrection on that third day when he rose from the dead that our hope has been established in the hearts of those who believe. Because if our message was just the cross, even the Word of God says, then our message would really be of no value. But, He rose again. He rose on the third day. And in that triumph, He defeated sin and death. And He has reconciled mankind back to God. Those in whom would believe in Him. Let's think about that for a second. I want each of y'all to think your own walk. Do you believe? I just don't want us to hold a form of religion. I want us to truly understand in whom we're saying, if you're saying, maybe you're not. Maybe you're sitting here and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord. But you're here today and there's a reason why you are here today is because he has chosen for you to be here today. You see, he's working in your life. He's working in my life. He's pursuing us because of his great love for us, that we would come to him, that we would turn from our evil ways, that we would turn from our sin and turn to him and receive this free gift of salvation. So think about it. It's the question that Jesus asked 
does it pertain to you today? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? It's vital. You really allow that question to sink in, no matter what your age is. You don't want to hold a form and, and at the end of your life stand before him and go, but I thought I knew you. I went to church, I, I did good things, and he says, depart from me, I don't know you. You see, in this fallen world, and we all know, we're all born into sin. All of us are in need of a savior. All of us have the same appetite for destruction. We just don't, when we're living in sin, we just don't see it as destruction. But we all were born into sin with a desire for destruction. I want you to think about this. And I've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks. And I kind of just want to bring it up in front of us again. But I want you to think about your life. The hurt, the pain... The loneliness, the frustration, the anger. I want you to think about your life. And I want you to look over your life, no matter what age you are. And I want you to think about what's been done to you. And then I also want you to think about the lives of those that you love. And what they look like. And the choices that they have made. Because I think that if we really were honest with ourselves, we could look at our lives, and yeah, we can see the, no matter, again, what age we are, we can see the years of, of pain that others have caused us and, and what we have caused others to others. We can see maybe our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our brothers, our sisters, whoever, make wrong decisions, and we've seen how those wrong decisions have changed the course of their life for destruction, and maybe not just for their destruction, but because of what their choices were, ended up falling on you. The lack of attention, the lack of love, the lack of security that maybe you've missed out on. But isn't it interesting that the same thing that we've seen destroy other lives we seek after? thinking that somehow it's not going to do the same to us. But it does. You see, apart from Christ, all we have is ourselves. Decisions that we make apart from Christ are selfish decisions. We live out of ourself. We live out of our flesh nature. And if y'all have been around here long enough, the flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that's to what? Die. To die. And so that very flesh drags you to death. Each of us sitting in this room at one point is going to take our last breath. At one point, we'll take our last breath. And what, have, what has your life been marked by? Has it truly been marked by 
Christ living under his lordship walking in obedience it's interesting that the love of Christ has been made this common love this love of him accepting everything about you. That somehow you can continue in sin and somehow claim his name. You see, if you were the enemy and you were going to attack the kingdom of God, you would want to destroy his character. You would want to make him so common that he would have no power. And the way to do that is not so much to attack him, but attack those who are in his kingdom. Strip them down to where they don't even believe in him. And live as if he's not God. That's the way to pervert the truth of God. Is to make him so common that we make his people so common. That there's not a difference between the Christians and the world. There ought to be a difference. We ought not to think that we are better than the world because we're not. We recognize that we have been set free from the world. But yet we're called to go back into the world so that other captives know that there is freedom in Christ and in Christ alone. You see, he is victorious, you all. And I love what Ronald said last night. I don't know if you ever thought about that. But do you know what God saved you from? Mm -hmm. From himself. Mm -hmm. You ever thought about that? See, we can make him so common that we can think that we can throw our fist up at him. We can think that we can just trudge all over his blood and make it nothing. And he just has to put up with it because he loves us. Oh, no. It is because of his great love that he sent his one and only son. You see, if God's love was all that was needed for salvation, there would have been no purpose for Jesus. You see, God loved you, yet though you were in complete rebellion towards him. He knew you needed a savior. And because of that great love, there had to be a payment. One had to come to lay one's life down. The savior of the world, Jesus, the Messiah. He willingly came to lay his life down. Because of God's love. So that you would not endure God's wrath. He took it. Lest you forget what Jesus cried out on the cross. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Lest you forget what he prayed in the garden. If there be another way. Take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, he came and he laid his life down so that you can live.
a new life in Christ. A new life in Christ. And we've been looking over these past few weeks what it looks like, this new life, what it looks like to be under His Lordship. You see, if you've come to Christ, you've accepted Him, then you believe in the power that has come forth from His resurrection that can ultimately change the course of your life. That I no longer have to make the decisions I was making. I no longer have to go and live out of the dictates of my flesh, the desires of my flesh. No, there's a new way to live. So how are we to live this new way? Are you seeking that? Because remember the question at the beginning was, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And I keep reminding us, it's not about being perfect. It's not about reaching perfection. But it's about growing up and maturing, no matter what your age is. If you're saying that you belong to Jesus Christ, then you ought to live as if you belong to him. You're no longer a slave to sin, a slave to self. No, you have been engrafted into his kingdom. I love it in Romans 8 where it talks about that you have been adopted into the family of God. That you have been adopted. And you have been given the right to call him daddy. When's the last time you called him daddy? When's the last time you just sat? Let him know how much you desire him, to live for him. When's the last time that you just sat before him and said, God, search my heart. Is there anything wicked within me? Is there anything, God, that you need to expose? Because, God, I want to live a life that honors you. I don't care how the world looks at me. I don't care what others think. God, I care about pleasing you. No one else would lay their life down for me. No one else would come and rescue me. No one else would look at me in the condition that I am, this sinful nature, a rebellious nature towards you, and yet say, you love me. You would give your life for me. So Father, I pray, God, that you would just allow me to be One that truly honors you. So search me. You that there's a seat here? This understanding. Is it real to you? Because I want you to think about this. What sin are you entertaining? What sin are you entangled in that you're choosing to hold on to? Because if you're a child of God, you're not to be entangled in the sin. No, you're to throw it off. What sin are you going to go back to when you leave here? There shouldn't be any. But you say, but preacher, I have, I have issues of the heart. And I would say, well, deal with them. The Bible is very clear to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. Stop talking about them in the sense of them owning you. No, start exposing them for what they have done to you, to your life. 
into the lives of others that you care about. Start exposing them. Start stripping them of their power because they've already been stripped of their power in Christ. See, we have to take God's word to start believing it and applying it to our lives. We just can't be hearers. We have to be doers. And so how are you doing with the word of God? Active in your life. You've got to stop making excuses for your sin and shrugging it off as if he doesn't care about it because he does. You're marked and sealed, if you're calling yourself a Christian, by the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit of God within you if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The power of God, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is within you. So we're without excuse, as we read last week. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And I know sometimes you come to church and you're just like, oh, you know, you're just here, you're just doing it. But that's not what a Christian life is supposed to be. It's every day living for God. Every day living for God. Learning of Him. Growing. Allowing Him to transform you. You see, the flesh in itself is not to rule you any longer. In Galatians, it talks about the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. But, as I've encouraged you before, what you breed lives. If you want to live by the flesh, that is your choice. Don't blame God and don't blame others about your life. If you choose to go by the flesh, then you will reap what the flesh offers, death. But if you choose the Spirit, if you choose to walk in obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, then your life would be led to life eternal. doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect. In fact, Christians in the beginning, if you really study the history of the church, and you look at the, the, the Christian communities today upon the earth, they recognize when they've given their life to Christ, they have relinquished their rights to this world. They have relinquished their rights to the temporal things of life because they know good and well that this message of the gospel, the world is not going to accept. The world is not going to accept the message of the gospel because it irritates the flesh. Just the sound of the name of Jesus can irritate people. When you raise up a standard of righteousness, it irritates people because people desire to live for themselves. I have a right to my desires. And they will war against the gospel. That's why the church has been persecuted ever since the church was birthed on this earth. The church has been persecuted. Kingdoms, kings, governments have tried to destroy the message of the gospel. This is the freedom this message here is the freedom for mankind. Amen. And yet mankind wants to destroy it because mankind wants the rights to themselves. I have a right to this. I have a right to my desires. I have a right to do what I want to do. Oh, of course you do. But in the end, that's all you have. That's all you got. You have chosen then to live in eternity 
apart from God. I tell people all the time, every step you take, every choice you make is leading you to your eternity. Either with God or apart from God. <coughs> and I know the question is, why would a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send people to hell. They choose to go. They choose to go. Because remember, God sent his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a choice. Jesus himself says, I'm the way. I'm the only way to God. Not through any other religion that's in this world. That's a bold statement for Jesus to make. But Jesus knew who he was. I'm the only way. I know what I've come to do. I've come to rescue you. I'm the only one that's going to lay their life down for you. I have been sent by God. So that you can live. With God. For eternity. You see, the flesh loves the temporalness of life. That's why it darkens our mind. It hardens our heart. And we make all these excuses why we want to stay in the flesh. But we best be careful. Because this flesh is dying. So why would you want that which is dying to be what leads you? Who are you following? Something's mastering you. Someone's mastering you. What are you giving yourself to daily? Look at the scriptures I laid out for you today. You all, there is victory in Christ. There is victory in Christ. You no longer have to live out of the dictates of the flesh out of the desires of the flesh. Because as a Christian, do you know how you are to, how you to consider your flesh? Dead. You have chosen. You were not forced. God has not forced you. You have chosen because you've seen your need for a Savior. Your eyes have been opened to this marvelous truth and you've entered into this, to this family of God, not because you've cleaned yourself up, not because you're doing everything right. No, because you just simply believe. But in that belief, in that of his acceptance of, of this free gift that you have received from him, now you get up and now your life has changed because you've been reborn. That's why the Bible talks about being born again. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, well, how can that be? I can't go back up to my mother. And be born again. And Jesus says, well, no, no, no. It's about being born of the Spirit. You've been born again. It's a new life. You're learning to live differently now. You have recognized that you have considered yourself dead to the flesh, but alive in Christ. And I wanted to share a few scriptures before we get to our text this morning. Look at that, 1 Corinthians, second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. 
Paul said, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And that would do us some good this morning. To forget everything else and just Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, I care enough about you all. He's telling the church. And it could be the same for us in our lives. I'd rather forget everything else but Christ and Him crucified. Because if I keep my eyes on that, if I truly see the redemptive work of the cross and all that was paid for me, my God, the freedom that comes from that. Because if you shift your focus off of your past or even your present circumstances and you place your focus on the redemptive work of the cross, oh wow, your mind will be renewed. Remember, we've been studying the scripture for Romans 12 where it says, how does God transform our lives? By renewing our mind. Or I like how the scripture says, by changing the way we think. You see, when you're finding yourself depressed or you're finding yourself overwhelmed by temptation, like if you just look towards the redemptive work of the cross, if you would consider everything else rubbish, if you would just put everything else aside and look at the cross, the redemptive work, and go, you came because you love me. Wow. You can start preaching yourself happy. You can start finding great encouragement in that. That no matter what is coming against me, if I would just keep my eyes on you. Wow. In Romans 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives because we are no longer slaves of sin. It's a choice, you all. It's a choice every day of my life to get up daily and keep myself surrendered under his lordship. I could choose to run amok if I want to. I could choose to go and do what I want to do. I could choose to even have the attitude that I want to have that day. But why would I? Because I know that my choices, I've learned in my walk, that my choices, me, myself, and I, my choices will lead me down a path of destruction. And why would I choose that? Because I lived 20 some odd years Enslaved to that, why would I want to choose that again? You see, it's a choice to walk in the Spirit of God. Like, Father, lead me. It's a choice to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to your heart to say, no, stop going that way. Come this way. Let me change the way you think. Let me show you the right path. And then you follow it. Look at Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, look what we have done. We have nailed the passion and desires of our sinful nature to his cross, and we've crucified them there. That's the reality. That's where your old nature is. Nailed to the cross. Not to be living in it. Not to make decisions out of it. But seeing it nailed to the cross. 
It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in and through me. God, I want my life to bring you glory and honor. I love it with these two guys last night. I know these guys well. I've seen what God has done in their lives and how God has just keep continuing transforming them and using them to proclaim His name. And I go, wow. It should be for all of us. Proclaiming His name and living a life that pleases Him because we recognize that our old self has been crucified. We've nailed our passions and our old desires to the cross, not to live out of them again. So we've got to stop making excuses. We really do, you all. If we have the power of God within us, and we've got to start tapping into that, and really, what does that look like? Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. Look how you're to be living. By trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How am I to be living? By trusting in the Son of God. And the Galatians 6, verse 14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Scriptures that remind us that we have been crucified with Christ, that we're to be living differently now, that we're to be honoring Him. And again, I said earlier, the enemy will love nothing more than to pervert God's word and to make it so common that there is no power in it to transform a life. But no, there is power. In his word, there is power in our lives to live differently, to choose differently. And we've talked about it as we've looked at these letters that have been written to these churches. These are actual letters written to these churches reminding them of Christ's lordship. How are they to be living? Because they kept getting tangled back up in their flesh. They kept getting tangled back up in teachings that were perverting the word of God, stripping God's message down and making him so common that there was no power in the church. They were also written to remind these churches that you all enduring intense persecution, but Christ is returning, so maintain your hope in him. Maintain your hope in him. See, when you lose your hope in Christ, when you lose the hope of his returning, you basically now are going to be entrapped and enslaved by your selfish desires because you're going to live how you want to live. Oh, that's not how we are to be living. No, we are to be a people who are preparing for his return. And no one knows the day and hour of his return, but we do know the signs of his return. The Bible is very clear on what the generation will look like before his return. They will be rebellious. The love of many will grow cold. They're going to be worse off 
than the people in the days of Noah. Seeking only for themselves. The hour will grow darker and darker. And so when we see these things, we're to recognize, wait a minute, the urgency of the hour. And we as the body of Christ, as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, you're to be the light of the world. You're to go out there because you carry the gospel message. You carry this message of the redemption. That God came to restore mankind back to himself through his son Jesus. There is a way to live. But how can you share that message if you're no different than the ones that you're sharing the message with? You ought to be different. They ought to see you as peculiar and weird and there's something strange about you. And then you can boast all about your God. Let me tell you what's different about me. It's whom I follow. Jesus. Jesus. I mean, we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're talking about a mighty God. The great I Am. The one who spoke and the world was formed. And yet, we want to keep playing church and living how we want to live because it feels right to us. How sad. The church is reminded all throughout history, even in our present day, on how we ought to be living. So go to this letter, 1 Thessalonians. How are we to be living? Chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church at Thessalonica. To you who belong to God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. And remember, we talked about the word grace last week, and I want to talk about it again this week. Grace is the power to transform. It is not the right to remain enslaved to your sin. Well, God's grace, God's grace, God, He knows how weak I am, and He'll forgive me. I can just keep living however I want. That is not what grace is. Paul even had to address it, like I shared last week. The Church of Rome, in the book of Romans, he had to address this weird teaching that crept into the church that said, hey, go ahead and keep sinning. <laughs> because that will show how God's grace more and more. Go out and run amok. And people believed that. And so they went out and started living however they want to live again. And they got back to Paul. And Paul basically had to address this. And said, what then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you died with Christ, you've been raised up with him into a new life. Because you've been born again. And I know the common thing to say is, well, come on, we're just human. I'm sure maybe you've said it yourself. Or maybe you've heard others say it. I'm just 
human. Like, really, we're going to stand before a holy God who laid his life down for us and just look at him and say, well, we're just human. Well, of course we're just human. That's why he came. Our human nature, we are to consider nailed to the cross. As a child of God, you're not just human. You're a child of God. Born again of the Spirit. You walk according to the Spirit, not according to the human nature. And then you say, well, but I'm still going to sin. And then I would take you to 1 John. Where 1 John says, I write to you that you will not sin. But if you do, remember there's one. Repent. Turn back to him. You see, sin, the power of it has been broken. You don't have to sin. You choose to. What? The Word of God says that if you walk habitually in the Spirit, if you live according to the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. But I know the popular teaching is to give you the rights to yourself. I can't preach that. Because that's not what's in here. But what do I do if I sin? Repent. Turn back to God. Ask Him to show you how to live in right standing with Him. How am I to live now, God? See, you don't get wallowed back up in condemnation and shame and guilt. And you don't say, well, see, I just can't live this Christian life. No, 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 no. You recognize it and love yourself. You can't live it. So it only shows you your need and your dependence for Him. So you live this life, and, and when things are in your life that are not of God, then you have to choose. Whom am I serving? No, I'm not serving myself anymore. I'm serving God. So God, show me now by helping me to renew my mind, changing the way I think, so that I would live differently and obey you. Because if I call you Lord, Lord, then God, I want that to be my truth. So the grace of God is the power to transform your life. It's not the right to remain in sin. I hope we hear that this morning. Because you're going to get up from this place and you're going to go right back out in that world that wants to strip you of your identity in Jesus and give you the right to yourself. And you're going to have to make a choice. Either you're standing for Christ or you're not. But please don't play your weird Christian games. Reality is the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word. And how we're applying it to our life. Because again, how am I going to go preach the word if I'm no different than you? How am I going to live the word, word, word in this world if I'm no different than you? What hope of a message will I bring you about Jesus if I'm no different than you? And the same goes for you all. What hope in Christ would you bring to others if you live no different than them? And even when you fail, even when you
you find yourself sinning and others sin, as a Christian, you should be quick to repent and they should see God's restoration power on your life. Because you get up and you go, oh, I, I don't belong here. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And then you look at others, I'm sorry. Our example of living this life is Christ. He was humble. He obeyed the Father. He sought not His will, but the will of God. And I love the fact that they say, may God give you grace, this transforming power and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear how this church is being described. And I want to ask you a question today. How would people describe your faith? Do they see you as faithful? Do they see you as those who truly love God with all of their heart? With all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, with all of their strength? They should. If I went around and asked people that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, and I say, how's Norma representing Christ? I should be able to get a good report. If I say, hey, how is Michelle representing Christ? Maritza should be able to give me a good report. If I went around and asked of those that know you on a day-to-day -day basis, what would your children say? I want you to hear how this church was described. And again, it's not about bringing condemnation. And please don't make excuses for yourselves. It's just reality. If we're calling him Lord, Lord, then by God he ought to be our Lord. <laughs> but Christianity is just not this weird come in one day and out the other and just live however else the way you don't want to live. And I know that's how it's been presented, but I'm telling you all that is not what Christianity is. And if you don't believe me, then you go read it for yourself. I truly believe that you are to be born again because that's what the Word of God says and that is what has happened in my life. I lived many years of my life addicted to sex, to drugs, to everything that was out there. I abused people. I hurt people. I lived for myself. I didn't want Jesus I hated him. For 28-something years of my life, I hated Jesus. I hated Christians. I hated church. I hated the cross. I did what I thought I could do to become more evil in this world. I loved the darkness. And the darkness loved me. I was enslaved. To everything of myself. And yet he steps in. When I was at the end of myself. 
ready to take my own life, the very one I hated was the one that stepped in and said, today you'll live. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And has my life been perfect? No, because the goal is not perfection. The, the goal is maturing and growing. Have I made bad decisions in these past 17 years or 16 years walking with Jesus? Yes. Have I had times of questioning, like Ronald talked about last night? Have I had times of questioning, really? God, is this real? Have I had sought after myself? Yes. Have I done things? Yes. But those things and all of that work for good because I'm called by God and I love Him. And He has developed me. He has disciplined me. He has grown me. And He keeps growing me. And He keeps disciplining me. And I keep wanting to represent Him more and more. Because it is no longer I who live. And so it should be the same for you all. Because it's been the same for the church since the beginning. Let him grow you. Let him mature you. Walk differently. Live differently. Think differently. Be excited. Are you not excited about your Christian faith? Are you not excited that you can come boldly before his throne and you can worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That you recognize that there's going to be a day that he will part the eastern sky and he will collect those who belong to him. And for eternity, you will rule and reign with Christ. Wow! And we want to play church. We can't play church. Listen to what he's saying here. We proudly tell God, other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecution and hardships you are suffering. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering in his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. This church was under intense persecution for their faith in Christ. And you realize that in this, God will use whatever it takes to make his name famous. God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord and Lord Jesus. I think that's an interesting statement. Not only is he going to bring judgment on those who don't know God, but he's going to bring it on those who refuse to obey. Those who call Jesus, Lord, Lord, and doesn't do what he says, lest they think they're going to escape his wrath. They will be punished with the eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you who believed what we told you about him. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. 
Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. How is his name honored? By the way that you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in the wrong place, but that was a good reading. That was the second Thessalonians. So we'll go back to the first Thessalonians. We know, dear brothers, in verse 4, the first Thessalonians. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when, you were, when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you shall become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from, people to, from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us, and this is what I was getting to earlier, that people are telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living God, the living and true God. Can people testify about that, of your life, that you have turned from your idols and that you are now serving the true and living God? And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment, of what I just read in 2 Thessalonians. This coming judgment, for those who refuse to obey, and for those who don't know God. There is a wrath of God that is stored up to hit this earth. And I keep encouraging y'all, why would you choose his wrath over his love? Why would you choose to continue to go your way and somehow think that you're going to escape his wrath if you're not truly living for him? If you're truly not one who has been marked by him? Like, see, can you answer the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Is that question towards you? How are you living for God? What choices are you making? Your life now, if you are a Christian, you are to live as this new creation. All things have passed away. You can keep dredging them up if you want, but that's your choice. But how do people see your faith? Reports were getting back to Paul and to Silas and to Timothy about this church and how they were living and how they were strengthened in their faith and how they turned from their idols, and now they're living for the true and living God. And he goes on and talks about the time that he spent with them, but I want to jump to chapter 4, and end with chapter 5 today, 
Again, I'm reading this letter to you because I'm hoping it'll bring some type of encouragement to your life that we are to be living under his lordship. And there is a way in which we ought to be living. And it says, unto to God, not unto myself or unto man. Everything you do, you all, everything you do and say is to be honoring to God. Everything. And in and of yourself, you can't live that way. You must be born again of the Spirit. You must live no longer against God and His kingdom. Because if you've been born again, you've been engrafted in. And what a beautiful picture. Especially when families are so divided nowadays. Especially when no one feels really accepted a lot anymore. It's hard to find a fully healthy, functional family in our generation. It should not be. But that's what we find. And we understand that it's only going to get worse. Because this world is spinning towards its des final destination. Like God's plan is to make all things new. The fall of man when Adam and Eve chose the sin. God's purpose is to restore. To heal. So when you see sin, when you see selfish living, when you see all this just increasing, when you see the family unit stripped apart, when you see, when you see people have no respect for authority, and it's getting chaos more and more. Watch the news. But people ought to be able to look at the church and say, there's something different about you all. What a beautiful family. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different hurts and struggles. But we've all been born again. And we're into this new family now. This family of Christ, this family of God. And we're learning how to love each other. We're learning to do life with one another. We're learning to really build community. We're learning to be there for each other. So that others on the outside look at us and either they're going to hate us and they're going to want to kill us because we're coming against how they're living because we're upholding righteousness or they're going to long to have what we have. And they're going to come and they're going to say, what is it? Why are you so different? Why are you all so different? I want that. I long for that. And then we can offer the hope that's in Christ. So we're called to live to please God. Look at what it says here in chapter 4. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. Live in a way that pleases God. Are you pleasing Him? If God was to show up now, huh, how would you stand before Him? you stand before him? 
As a Christian, you have full confidence that you can stand the, the assurance that you are in Christ. Again, not being perfect, but growing and maturing, honoring Him with your life. I can stand before Him with the assurance that God, I know that you are for me and not against me. And I know my life has not been marked by perfection, but my life has been marked by Christ. Because I've been attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. It is nothing that I can do that can please you. You know, Christ did all that he did to please you and to pay the penalty for me. So we can stand with the assurance as the Bible talks about that we have been sealed for the day of redemption and we stand before him. We can stand with the assurance that God, my life, was lived to please you. But if you're making decisions, if you're running amok, if you're entangled in sin and that's where you're choosing to be and you're making his name so common and you're trampling under his blood or under uh, trampling his blood under your, your feet and this is as if it's nothing, you don't have that assurance. You don't have that assurance. Because what are you going to say to him? What would you say to a holy God who has paid the penalty, who has shed his blood, who has given you the right to call him daddy, who has, who has given you the, the opportunity to be reborn, and yet you've chosen not to please him. We urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of our Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy, to stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. We're called to live holy lives. We're called to not have anything to do with sexual perversion. Not even a hint of it is to be among God's people. Wow. And yet, when I read reports, when Christian conventions come into towns... Do you know what the hotel people report? That's when they make most money off pornography in the hotels. I read a huge article just a couple weeks ago about it. Men and women of God coming in for a holy convention. And the porn sales increase in the hotels. And we think that we can enter in, wave our hands, praise our God, hallelujah, God bless you, and then we can just walk right back out and go to our room, watch porn and masturbate, and somehow think God is pleased. Sexual sin is running amok in the church. It's running amok no matter what age. For God's sakes. 
We seek to please ourselves and entertain ourselves with the very filth that is sought out to destroy us. God's people are giving themselves out of wedlock, out of marriage. God's people are entertaining sexual perversion. Well, whatever your desire is, go for it. Who cares? And somehow we're buying into it. And no one is being reminded of what the Word of God says. We're called to be a holy people. And that we are to stay away from all sexual sin. You are to keep yourself pure before God. You're to honor God with your body because you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your body, and with all of your strength. And I know the common phrase is to say, come on. It's a desire I need to release. I need to give myself to it. Really? Um, the Word of God says, and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do, know, who do not know God and His ways. Apart from God, you burn with lust. Apart from God, you burn with sexual perversion. You want to give yourself to it. Do you not realize that the greatest testimony of one living for themselves is the way that they give themselves sexually? And we're destroying our bodies. And we're destroying others because we're being intimate. Or even we're destroying our mind because we're watching pornography and filth. And somehow we're thinking that satisfies me. Somehow this is love and I'm making love to myself. Or we're introducing it to our relationships. And we're getting so warped in our minds that we don't even see perversion for what it is. Because now we find it entertaining. And we're God's people. And somehow we think that we're going to escape his judgment? No, we're to be born again. We're to live differently. Trust me, I was the most greatest pervert that was out there. I know what it's like to burn with lust. I know what it's like to, to just... Ugh. But coming to God... God, I don't want to live that way. God, how am, how am I to honor you with my body? How am I to honor you with my thoughts? How am I to honor you with the way that I live? Because God, I truly believe that you are my Lord. That you are my Savior. And God, when I feel it rising up in me, God, your word says that you make a way out. So God, I will rest assured that I will sit on my hands. And I will guard my thoughts. Because God, you say you make a way out. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. God, it is not a struggle. Because God, you've already claimed victory over it. So I'm not going to look at it as a struggle. No, I'm going to see it as for what it is. Sin, and you have already are victorious over it. And that's what my hope is. That's what I long for. That my body can be pure. 
And I don't have to live by these desires that want to rule and reign in me because I'm all insecure. Reality is, you know where sexual sin comes from? It comes from insecurity within. Because if you don't know who God is and who you are in Him and what He has done for you, then the only way you know how to live is for yourself. And a lot of us have gone through a lot of pain and hurt, even in young ages. I was molested when I was a kid. I was given over and over and over to different ones. To, to, and all I knew, all I thought I could have in life was to just to please people sexually. Because that's the only way that I could find love. That's the only way I could find acceptance. Do you see how the flesh works and how the enemy works? And we long just to find acceptance. So we're just give ourselves to anything. It's hard to even have Christian men and women dress appropriately and honor God with their dress and with their bodies because we want to demand our rights on how we should dress. What? See, we've got to start getting real, you all, with the Christian life and how we're to be living. And not provoking each other. And not just excusing things. No, it's time that we start getting things out in the open and start addressing it and dealing with it. No, the Word of God says have nothing to do with it. Don't live like those who don't know God. Don't live like that. Because you've read not only those who don't know God, but those who don't obey God are going to face His judgment and for eternity be separated from Him. Because of your choices. No, you can be born again, born again, born again, live differently. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Get up every day of your life. It doesn't matter what your circumstances look like, get up every day of your life and declare this day whom your God is and say, God, with all that's within me, I give my life to you because you love me. Because I'm looking at the cross. I'm keeping it before me. I see the redemptive work that God, you came to set me free. Like God, you have stripped me from all of this junk and you have given me yourself. That I may live and not die. He says here in verse 6, Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins. And we have solemnly warned you before, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules, look at this, is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. You run out of here and you go do whatever you want. You're not rejecting the teaching that I'm giving. You're rejecting God. But we don't need to write you about the importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. How is your love for one another? I've been 
encouraging us over these past weeks. We ought to be serving each other, loving each other, holding each other accountable, praying for each other, asking each other, how can I serve you? How can I pray for you? What is it, sister, that you need? What is it, brother, that you need? When's the last time you called in and checked on each other or sent a text? When's the last time that you just reached out and held someone because they were hurting? May God increase our love for one another. And look at our goal. Verse 11. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Wouldn't it be awesome if all of us in this room and Christians throughout the world really grasped this scripture? Make it your goal, you all, to live a quiet life. <laughs> to mind your own business and work with your hands. Be a hard worker. I don't understand why Christians are known to be lazy. I really don't. How is that honoring God? You ought to be the best employees out there. You ought to know good stewardship. You're not working for man. You're working as unto the Lord. Everything, remember, your life is to honor God in everything you say and do. Christian workers should be the best workers. They should not be lazy. You should not be stealing companies' time. You should not be stealing companies' resources. You should not go in there grumbling and complaining about your bosses or your co-workers. You shouldn't be giving in to the office politics or anything else. No, you are just to show up and put in the hours in which you have committed yourself to and to honor God in doing it. You should go above and beyond in your service because you're working as unto the Lord not as unto man you grumble and you complain you carry on about everything and every, everyone you show up 10-15 minutes late you leave early and no one sees it Oh, you don't know my boss. You don't know this. You don't know that. I don't need to know your boss. I don't need to know this and that. All you need to know is God. What would God ask of you? Live a quiet life. Stop running amok. Work hard. Be diligent. And then others, others who are not Christians will respect you the way you live. Think about that. And dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. And I know this may be hard to hear, but reality is what it is. I know it's popular to stand up at funerals and to give hope that everyone's gone to heaven. I know it's popular because it comforts people. And we want to comfort people. 
But we have got to stop offering the kingdom to those who do not belong to the king. And you say, well, how can you judge? Because who knows this and who knows that? Yeah, you know what? Yeah. But truth is, what he, what he just said here is that we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died. Not unbelievers. Not unbelievers and not to people who said they were believers but disobeyed God because their life was marked by disobedience. See, we ought to start loving each other enough to really uphold truth. No, brothers and sisters, you're going the wrong way. That is not honoring God. We should love each other enough to see people restored back to God because we understand that their eternity is at play here. Like, I've got to love you all enough to warn you, and you all to love me enough to warn me and go, wait a minute. Don't lose your hope because you've chosen to go your way. No, we have hope when a believer dies. But for unbelievers, there's no hope. They've already chosen in this life how they will live, and they will ultimately face their punishment. The Bible is not afraid to talk about hell and the eternal punishment that comes to those who refuse to believe and those who refuse to obey. So believers, those who have the full assurance, those who are living their lives according to God's will, not perfect, but maturing, growing, living for God, living a life that honors God, there is an assurance that we have that we can stand at the end of their lives. <sighs> Praise be to And I know. Give us the good message. Make us think everyone's going to heaven. But Jesus didn't. Jesus says it's a narrow way. Not many are going to find it. Because more people are going to choose themselves over God. But he wants to give hope to believers. So that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be called up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. This is the hope that we have. This eternal hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, 
Why do you call him Lord, Lord, and don't do what he says? Why would we? See, you're either for him or you're against him. You can have the assurance, you all, that you are with him by the way that you live your life. Is it honoring him? You know it. Don't pretend that you are, and inside, you're not. We're talking about eternity here. Why would you continue to choose to disobey him? You can walk with the full assurance of who he is and who you are in him because your position as a believer is in Christ. That's what the Word of God says. You're living out of the knowledge and the fullness of who Christ is. Every day. Not my will, but your will. Oh God, I shouldn't be here. Thank you for the conviction, Holy Spirit. I go this way now. Or, I don't know which way to go. So, Father, I pray that you would just give me the wisdom that I need to make the right choices. See, some of you are about to make decisions in your life that you all not to be making. They do not honor God. And yet, you keep going your way. And God is trying to get your attention and saying, stop going this way. You see, He's a just God. So, when He, when he serves His, his punishment... He is just about it because your whole time on this earth, he has been trying to get your attention. I love you. I know the plans I have for you. Come this way. Stop going that way. This life is not all that it's about. This is just a temporalness of life. You were to live as foreigners on this earth because you're going to another place in which you were purposed and prepared for from the beginning of time. Do we really want to choose the temporalness of life? Why would we? Do you understand eternity is forever? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do, and if you ever want to, you let me know. I love to go walk in the graveyard mm-hmm. and give my graveyard sermon. So if you're ever interested in that, you let me know. I'll take you out to the graveyard. If only the dead could speak. Only the dead could speak. And the Bible gives us this understanding of what hell looks like. And I know it's not popular to teach anymore. Don't you see how the enemy has stripped God and made him so common? And it's not about scaring you into the arms of Jesus. No. His love is what makes you run towards Him. Because if you're keeping your eyes on the cross, you go, wow, you love me that much. Look at me. I'm so dirty. I've done all this nastiness. I don't care what man says about me anymore, you all. I can care less. I'm not living to please you all. I'm not living to please man. My character has been attacked left and right, and I go, oh, God, it hurts, but God, there's nowhere else I know how to live. 
talking about God, y'all. And this church was being reminded. In closing, chapter 5. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord will return, I'm sorry, the Lord's return will re come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them, as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert and clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. God, isn't that beautiful? Did you hear that? There's a way we ought to be living. God, look at this. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. See, this should be kept in the forefront of the church. What is our purpose? Who are we? We are ambassadors to the kingdom of God. We are born-again people who no longer live by the dictates of the flesh. No, we're learning now how to live and walk in the Spirit so that we don't gratify these desires. We're learning to live lives that are pleasing to God. Hard workers. Living a quiet life. Serving. Loving. These should be the attributes of the church, of God's people, because we're representing Him. And we have the full assurance that we belong to Him. Can you wake up today, or have you woke up today with that full assurance? If not, don't leave today without it. Is there sin in your life? that you know good and well should not be in your life, then it's time to cut it out. It's time to repent. It's time to seek God and say, God, uh, I, I, I want to trust you. It's time to come clean, you all. We weren't meant for his wrath. We weren't meant for his wrath. Dear brothers and sisters, Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. 
Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but tries, but always tries to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And I challenged you all last week, I believe, to have an attitude of gratitude. Go throughout these next 30 days or whatever, how many days are left in November, and start being grateful for something each day. Start writing it down. Start sharing it with each other. Watch how your mind will be renewed if you start acting as if you're grateful for things. It's how we're called to live. And then just don't do it for November. That should just be your lifestyle from here on. Just be grateful. Before you go to start talking negatively about something, just turn it around and go, wait a minute. I don't want to think on this. God, help me to be grateful. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. And now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. God will make this happen. For he has called you, I'm sorry, for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with Christian love. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all brothers and sisters. And may the grace, that transforming power, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Listen, you all. I know. It's easy to take the watered-down Christian message that gives you the right to self, that keeps you going the way you want to go, but I'm telling you all, if you will read the Word yourself, the Holy Spirit will quicken you to the understanding of how you ought to be living. Just don't take it because these are words that I'm sharing with you. No, take it for what the Word of God says. There is a way in which we ought to be living, and it is to honor God, because we have said that He is our Lord. And so you should leave from this place encouraged each time that we come together, built up each time that we come together, and you should be going out from this place and applying it to your life. And if you're unsure on how to apply it to your life, then you should be contacting me or contacting another brother and sister and say, can we sit down and go through scriptures? Can you hold me accountable in this area of my life because it's out of whack? Like, I'm quite not sure how I'm to be living or the decisions that I'm making. But you all who are about to make decisions in your life, you better look at the Word of God and make sure that those decisions are honoring God. If not, don't take a step. It's time, y'all, that we start cleaning house. And I'm talking about the heart. It's time to really start allowing the Holy Spirit to have the full access to our heart and say, God, here I am. I've got nothing to be ashamed of. God, no, I just, you know me. So I don't have to come and, and try to pretend with you. No, God, you know exactly who I am and what's going on in my life. But God, I trust you enough because you are my Lord, that you will work all things out. Search my heart. If there's anything within me that is not pleasing to you, then God, just bring it out and show me how I'm to make right choices now. Come on, y'all.
There's a way to live. And we've got to stop making excuses. And we've got to start encouraging each other. Look around this room. Seriously, take a look around. We all come from different backgrounds. We've all gone through our own abuse and hurts. But they don't have to keep defining us, you all. We have a God who has come to make all things new. And if you haven't accepted him, then I don't know what you're waiting for. He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up because you never can. No, you just come broken because you see your sin and you see the payment that was paid for it. And you just bow your knee and say, here I am, God. Here I am. And you're born again. And those of you who've accepted Christ, but yet you've turned, you've rejected his ways, and you've gone your way, I'm not quite sure why you would continue to call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he says. Because you're not going to escape his wrath. The word is very clear. And for those of you who are diligently seeking after him, those of you who are, are pursuing him, allow him to continue to fan the flame. Allow him to continue to, to set your heart and your mind on him so that he would continue to use you as you go out into the community to be the light. So you're in one of the places today and so as I close with this song of worship, allow these words just to be sung over you, but allow the Holy Spirit to truly have access to your heart. If you haven't picked up one of the hymnals that are back there on that desk by Mike, I want to encourage you to. These hymnals, these hymns, are songs that were birthed from brothers and sisters in Christ through different seasons of their life. And they're so great just to kind of just sit and just read through and kind of just meditate. And you can even look them up on YouTube and hear them sung. Some of them are real old school. But I'm telling you, there's something awesome about using this in your time of devotion. So take one. If you're unsure how to read it, just ask me. I'll show you. But you'll be able to sit. And I wanted to share one with you that I've been kind of just meditating on. And then I'm going to close with a song of worship. But the name of the song is called Cleanse Me. And the words go like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where I once burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it holy, thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in me abide. O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. 
Send a revival. Start the work in me. Thy word declares that will supply our need. For blessing now, O Lord, I humbly plead. I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken one, take one. Let's close with this song, and then we'll close in prayer.
It's not a